So in this week's Torah portion, um, we're in the beginnings of the book of Exodus. So we're reading about the Lord's incredible, incredible deliverance of his people from bondage, from slavery, from oppression. We're seeing God answer a prayer in, a, in one of the most miraculous ways in all of the Bible. I mean, I think there's a movie about Yeshua called The Greatest Story Ever Told. Am I right? If that is the greatest story ever told, then what we're seeing in the Exodus is probably the second greatest story ever told. In fact, they're the same story, to be honest with you. It's a mighty deliverance, and it gives us hope for the, for the situations that we go through. When we are oppressed, when we, when we feel that we're enslaved, or when we're going through much, much trouble, we look at the story of the redemption from Egypt, and we say, thank you, God, you are a God of deliverance. As the Psalms say, you are our rock, you are our fortress, and you are our deliverer. And in this Torah portion, we, we, list, we read names. We read names of people who experienced this deliverance. It starts to list the, the, the heads of tribal households, uh, the tribe of Reuben, etc., who experienced the deliverance and some of their descendants. And um, it's, it's actually neat because it's the beginning of the story of some of these people. We see for the first time the, the, the name Korah. We see the first time the name uh, Phineas. All these people that in the next few books are going to start to become prominent, now God names them as some of the people who came out of Egypt, sort of setting the stage for what we're about to experience. But all of these people experienced the mighty hand and an outstretched arm of God come down and bring incredible deliverance and salvation. Today, I want to shift the story and twist it a little bit. I want to talk about a people group who is not listed in the Bible, who, who is not listed in this, in this Torah portion, not listed at all, actually. Uh, and these are the people who were enslaved in Egypt their whole lives, cried out to the Lord, for deliverance, and in their life, never received it. So we read how the Jews got into Egypt, and now we read how they got out of Egypt. There's 400 years in between. So there was a lot of time of slavery and oppression, and a lot of years of Jews crying, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face like the psalm? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face? Please answer me, Lord, for I've seen my enemies triumph over me, as the psalm says. But there are people, this is fact, there are Jews that were born into slavery in Egypt and died in slavery in Egypt and never saw the hand of God bring deliverance. They cried. God heard their prayers. The God who is true, the God who is faithful, the God when it says 
that he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. You are my hiding place. I surround you with songs of deliverance. Where it says the, the righteous have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Well, what about the people who were born into slavery, cried out to the Lord our deliverer, and never even met Moses? At best, knew him as an Egyptian lord, a young kid. Today, I want to talk about those people, and I want to talk about us. When we cry to the Lord, when we ask for deliverance from circumstances, and we never get the deliverance that we ask for. Can anybody relate to that? How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face? But how does God become true and not a liar when it says that he is our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer? How can he be true when we're praying for physical healing and there are times that we will never get the physical healing in this life that we are praying for? How does God be true as it says in the book of Exodus? Ki ani Adonai Rafecha, for I am God, your healer. How does it become true? And I think the answer to this question is probably one of the most important answers we can ever learn as people of God. Because we all experience his deliverance. We all have. And if we've accepted Yeshua in our hearts, we most certainly have experienced the greatest deliverance. But there are situations that as much as we cry, we will not get delivered from. So I want to fast forward now about 1,500 years after the Exodus to the time of Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua came onto the scene during another time of oppression of the Jewish people. It wasn't the Egyptian slavery. It wasn't like that. But the oppression in the Roman Empire, the yoke of Rome, the, the heavy hand of Rome on the Jews, on the Israelites, was very heavy. They were enslaved. They were in bondage to Rome. Let me put it this way. Yeshua was not the first Jew to be hung on a cross in public as a spectacle. And he wasn't the last. Rome was a heavy hand of oppression. And the Jews cried out, How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face? This is why messianic fervor was so intense at that time. They were waiting for another Moses. They were waiting for a, for a conqueror to come to stare the emperor of Rome in the face and say, let my people go. They were looking for a political leader who was going to be their new king. As prophecy said that the son of David will come and reign over Israel forever. They were waiting for that son of David to come as a king and as somebody who was going to conquer the enemy. This was so prevalent that even the disciples, after they, 
after they walked with Yeshua for years, after Yeshua died and rose again, in Acts chapter 1, they say, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to do all this now? Okay, you already died for our sins. You, you, you died, you rose, you hung out with us for 40 days. So are you going to do it now? Are you going to kick Rome out now? It was so much on the minds of the people, even the disciples, that even after Yeshua did what he did, they were still like, okay, now you're going to kick the, Rome, the Romans out? And he said, it is not for you to know these times. So even then, they still wanted deliverance from Rome. They wanted deliverance from their oppressors. They wanted the God who was our fortress, our rock, and our deliverer to bring deliverance the way they saw deliverance, the way they read deliverance as we're reading it in this Torah portion. Yet, not once, and this is interesting, not once did Yeshua confront the Roman Empire. Not once. When he turned the tables, it was against the religious establishment. Not once did he go to the politicians of the time and say, you stop oppressing my people. Not once did he do that. But to a people who said, Yeshua, deliver us. Because they're beating us. He said, just give him your other cheek. The ones who said, Yeshua, deliver us because they're putting us into slavery, make us carry heavy packs. They say, well, carry that pack more than they're even asking you to. The people said, Yeshua, deliver us because we're persecuted. He said, pray for those who persecute you. They said, Yeshua, deliver us because they are taxing us unfairly. Yeshua said, who's on that coin? Just give to Caesar what's his. I don't care if he taxes you 10%, 20%, 30 I don't care if he does a new tax plan. I don't care if the House and the, and, 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 the, and the Senate and then the President agree on a tax plan. Whatever it is, just pay it. Don't worry about it. They went to Yeshua and they said, deliver us for the ones who are taking our lives. Look at all these Jews up on crosses. Yeshua said, don't fear those who can take your life. But... but can't destroy the soul. Only fear the one who could take your life and destroy the soul. See, they looked for Moses. But Yeshua, the Lamb of God, came on the scene and brought a different deliverance. So what was the deliverance that the Lamb of God, oh, the Lion of the tribe of Judah is coming. There's no doubt about it. He's going to set everything right. But how does God hold true to being the God who delivers? Yeshua came and said, I am not promising you deliverance from your circumstance. I give you peace within your circumstance. And that is the deliverance and the healing that Yeshua brings.
There are circumstances that we will never get delivered from no matter how much we pray. And God is saying, yeah, I'm not delivering you from it. You know, you're asking me how long, oh Lord, and I'm asking you, if I never deliver you from that, will you praise me? If I never deliver you from that, will you trust me? Though you slay me, yet I trust you. As Job said. And if you do, and if you find the place of peace and contentment, like Paul said, I have learned to become content in all things. I have learned to be content when I'm hungry, when I'm fed, when I'm needy, when I have plenty. I can do these things through him who strengthens me. See, there's a time that he brings deliverance from circumstance, but I, I believe that, that sometimes he withholds deliverance from circumstance until we find the place of peace within the circumstance. The peace that surpasses understanding. See, if he just delivers you from the situation and you feel peace, that's understandable peace. If he delivers you from a situation and you have peace because the situation went away, that's understandable peace. So when it says, and when he said the peace that surpasses understanding, that means it's a peace that is not dependent upon the circumstance. It's peace within the circumstance. I will praise you in this storm. It's one of my favorites songs. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're in the boat with Yeshua and there's storm all around and we go, we cry to Yeshua, Yeshua, save us. We're dying, we're dying, we're dying. And there's a time that Yeshua goes to the storm and says, peace, be still. But I always found it interesting that he said to the storm, be still. Because that's also found in the Psalms, be still and know that he is God, that I am God. So who did he really speak to the be still? Maybe in some way in spirit that he, it wasn't necessarily the, the storm. Maybe it was our hearts that he speaks to. It says, peace, be still. See, every storm has an eye. Every storm, if you've ever seen a picture, like a satellite picture of a storm with all this incredible whirlwind of storm, right in the middle of it is this place of peace. So in a way, when he says, peace be still, sometimes he doesn't remove the storm, but he puts us into that place in that eye of the storm where there's walls of storm all around us. But we have peace. That we have empowerment. And that's the place of deliverance. That's the place of true deliverance. That is the place that the Lamb of God wants to bring us all. I truly believe that God puts us in situations that we simply cannot control to prove to us that he is in control. That's a quote from Pastor Steve Furtick. who screams even louder than I do, <laughs> if you ever listen to him. <laughs> Bless the Lord. 
Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. It's in that place when we give up control. The place of giving up control is the place of peace. Because control is oppression. Because there are situations, what happens is we cry to the Lord for deliverance from a circumstance. And the circumstance doesn't change. So now we try to become our own God and we try to deliver ourselves from the circumstance. That's an evil demon of control. That is an idolatrous spirit because now you are trying to play God. And when you try to change situations through a spirit of control, it's only going to cause oppression in your heart and in your soul. It's in the place when we give up trying and we say, right where I am right now, I praise you. And if you don't change a thing in my life, if you don't heal me in the way that I've been praying, I will rejoice, I will be victorious, I will sing to you, and I will live a life of victory right where I am right now, in spite of what you do with the situation. And to give you a little hope in this depressing message, I believe that that's the foundation of where God does bring deliverance. When we let go and let God. We see in the last, at the end of the last Torah portion, where um, things got really bad, things were really bad already for the Jewish people in, in Egypt, and then Moses came along, right? And then Pharaoh just made things a whole lot worse. It's like, okay, I'm not giving you any straw. You go find your straw and you keep the same quantities of bricks and all that kind of stuff. So things got, things hit a new rock bottom for these guys and for Moses. And Moses went back to the Lord and said, man, you just made things a whole lot worse. And the end of last week's Torah portion ends with these words from God. Now you will see what I will do. Now, you may think I'm saying that, like, God needs to bring your situation and your circumstance to a low new place. But that's not always the case. Sometimes our situations don't change. But when we get to a place where we praise him in the storm, when we say, God, you know more than I do. You know why this is happening. You know why you, you know what you want to bring forth through me right in the midst of the circumstance. Like, God, save me from the circumstance. Like, I wouldn't be able to do what I want to do through you if I took you out of it. I wouldn't re- be able to reveal myself strong if I took you out of that situation. Yeah, goody for you, I took you out of it, but I have a greater plan that you don't know. And sorry, kiddo, but it involves you here because I'm going to get incredible glory through it. I'm going to get incredible glory through it. There is a ministry that's coming out of you that you would not be, it would not be able to be birthed if you were not in this fire. So, Father, we praise you in this storm. We praise you in this storm. 
Father, we know even like in the midst of the winter as we, as we experience all this incredible snow and like all these blizzards and everything like that, you know, and then we see a day all of a sudden the temperature starts to rise and all of this snow that was so bitter and cold and such a pain in, in our lives all of a sudden is melting and now all of this, this thing that was, was the biggest nuisance in our lives now all of a sudden is feeding the grass. And all of this stuff that was like, was burden, we were praying away. I rebuke the storm. Yeah, that didn't work, did it, last week or whatever it was. Now all, of a, now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden that same snow is melting into water and that water is bringing forth nutrients into the soil and it's causing the ground to be moist and it's causing seed to fertilize and for grass to grow. With the same, the same material that we were praying away because it was so hard. This is the God we serve. The day is coming that the lion of the tribe of Judah is coming, and he'll right all wrongs. But the lamb of God has a deliverance that's far deeper than deliverance from circumstance. So thank you, Adonai, because you know greater than we do. Hallelujah. We bless your name.